moving forward, using all my breath Making love to you was never second best He's singing this song to dogs And I saw the world crashing all around your face Never really knowing it was always meshing Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Josh. And let's never forget that uh, Cordover Street sang the lyric, Making Love to You Was Never Second Best to a Bunch of Dogs. Uh, so this is the Gleeful Podcast uh, with Josh and Ed. You can find us on Twitter at Gleeful Podcast. I'm at Josh Burnell. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. Jennifer. Joshua. We're back we to discuss back. old dog new tricks. Yes, we are. The latest episode of Glee, written by Chris Colfer, directed by Bradley Buker, written by Chris. Uh, Do you know so that's Bradley fun. Buker? And I apologize if he's done many, 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 many. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so he's like the, the other one after after the first couple, and then after um, Eric Stoltz, who directs. Well, I mean, I would say like between between Bradley Buker and Paris Barclay, that's probably three quarters of the episodes. Okay. And then uh, you got a couple. Uh, yes, Eric Stoltz shows up occasionally. Uh, Brad Falchuk, Ryan Murphy direct the occasional one. Yes, yeah. yes, okay. That's, thank you. Ian. Uh, so yes, uh, welcome back. We're here to discuss this particular episode. Uh, we opened up there with I Melt With You. Modern English, is that right? As soon as that modern came English out of my mouth. English they, beat. Oh, God. No, definitely not English beat. Yeah, so it's modern English. Modern yeah. English. Uh, how are you today, Jennifer? I'm good. Kind of beat. Long weekend. Busy, busy, busy. Yes, we built a planter this weekend. Oh, we didn't build a planter. We built a garden bed. We built it a garden bed. huge, and that's your... It's massive. Gonna, yeah, you can close that. I'm going to stick your thingy <laughs> back in there. Uh, she's talking that's about a printer. That's a printer. Ladies and gentlemen, she's talking about a printer. Shelf sticking way out so far. Thank uh, you. <laughs> yes, we built a garden bed. It was massive. Uh, and we're very sore it now. Is. <laughs> Super it's, sore. It's 30 cubic feet, to be exact. And there's lots of stuff in it right now. <laughs> Most of which we hope will grow. We do hope. Yeah, fingers are crossed. Ed, how are things where you are? Um, things are pretty good. I'm just like... Oh, I, oh, you know what happened this week? I bought Gaga tickets, which is exciting. <gasps> like that. that. Like, that's, like, very rarely just... Uh, can I say things happen? So yeah, I bought Gaga tickets for uh, Chicago in July. I, I was sad I missed the Born This Way ball, and um, so I'm like, well, I have to go to the uh, art rave because why not? Why not? So that's exciting. Life is short, and and yeah, that's yeah, just just working. It's a good time though. Good. Hmm. Have you seen her live before? Yeah, did, um, yes. I saw her at Purdue. Oh, so. oh, many years Back ago. W- in 2010, when she was, it was only thirty dollars for a ticket for Gaga, which which actually wasn't true because it was uh, sub- subsidized by the student union. I was gonna so say that tickets were re- yeah, they were really fifty five, wow. but for Purdue students, which was essentially everyone who went. But it's always it was it's always it was always funny going back to that place because the the theater that where the concert was held is was the biggest theater at Purdue, and I used to have like tons of finals in there all the time, like. 
I used to sit in there and be like, there was a time when I was really happy to be in this room, and now I'm here again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, $30 for a college show is still, you know, pretty pricey. Yeah, I mean, that's what, it, yeah, that's about what it, they would have cost when I, I mean, was in college. I mean, that's super legit, considering yeah. even... That yeah, was, and they weren't as good right, as Lady Gaga. That was, that was, like, right after Fame Monster came out, so, like, this is in a post, like, this was on the cusp of Bad Romance, so this yeah. was, like... The height of the fame. I want to say we paid t- maybe fifteen dollars for Pearl Jam in ninety. <laughs> 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 it's cool. Squeeze, I think they gave the tickets away, <laughs> but and Meatloaf, I think it was ten. Well, is squeeze the is squeeze the band who did Tempted by the Fruit of Another. Exactly. Yes, that's true. Tempted. That was their big big hit. But they, uh, they have yeah. a lot of fun songs. Very similar. Well, it was $25 in my school to see Sugar Ray and Orgy. I'm so sorry. They paid you $25? Yeah, they paid us $25 to watch Sugar Ray and Orgy. Uh, Also, who performed at my school? Save Ferris. That's a true story. Save Ferris. Nice. I did not go to either. Uh, What I did go to was Jimmy Eat World, The Donnas, and someone else. I don't remember who the third one was, but they were also of that ilk. (laughs) I, I super regret not going to the Jason Mraz show that was at Purdue. Oh, I like yeah. super regret it. He played my college after I left. There you go. Uh, but the only person who played my college every year was the Steve Miller band because Steve Liver- Steve Miller lived in town. <laughs> so I want to say he played my college as well. I think he just does college, which go. is I mean, fantastic. I mean, and he's still fantastic live. <laughs> you know, you know uh, well, I've said this before, but my the first two CDs I ever owned was Steve Miller Band's Greatest Hits and Britney Spears' uh, Baby One More Time. So both as of those do. have, have yeah. uh, very much dictated my musical likings for, wow. for all eternity. <laughs> I mean, Rockin' Me is like literally one of the best songs ever created. Okay. Whatever. Steve Miller Band. And Joker. Joker, Flashback huh? City, oh, ladies good. and gentlemen. Yeah, he's a classic. <laughs> Jungle Love. Jungle Love. Seriously. Jungle love. It's driving me mad. It's making me crazy. Uh, so we want to thank everybody in the chat room for joining us in the chat room. We got David Delara, uh, KQ, Alex, Sandra, Alexis. And those are the only people that are really talking. But we have some other people in the chat yeah. room. So thank you for listening live. I put out the call pretty late. Uh, so happy, yes. happy Sunday night. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Yes, happy Mother's Day. To, to the moms and the mom figures out there. You'll, of course, be listening to this after Mother's Day. But yeah, you know, uh, our, you know, our, our thoughts were our with thoughts you. Our thoughts were with you in the <laughs> past. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this episode, Old Dog New Tricks, written by Chris Colfer. And um, we'll go around the room. Jennifer, what did you think of Old Dog New Tricks? Oh man! This, Prepare this, for the onslaught of hate. This is a this is a <laughs> tricky one because as much as I was kind of indifferent about a lot of it, it was actually very sweet. I'm gonna give it a B. Just going with a B. I got a B. I see. I I was. I don't know if we're arriving at the same conclusion because of the same reasons but i am i am at a b as well exactly okay. <laughs> not definitely not a b plus no not, not quite a b minus either no. so it's like it, it's like b verging on b minus so, so josh is going to uh destroy the the bell curve for us go ahead I'm gonna destroy, yes i'm gonna i'm gonna bring in all the slew of cleaner hate mail um 
I am going to give it a B. Uh, this oh, is it was. There you go. I, what's funny is I think we're all giving it the same grade for different reasons. <laughs> I'm exactly where you are, Ed. It's B minus B, bordering on B minus for the main reason that I think it was a an episode lacking polish. Uh, it had three. It was really just out there. Like I, it was so far out there that it almost didn't hang together at times. Uh, a lot of the jokes fell flat as a board, and yet it had spirit heart. and it had a lot of heart. And even though that heart was really heavy hitting, <laughs> really uh, 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 overt is the word manipulative. Manipulative. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, at the same time, I thought that it was in the right place, and um, it it. It, it just it it was clumsy and it was without polish and it was largely amateurish however there were a lot of things that were quite sweet about it and so i thought it was a solid b episode the only reason i want to give it a b minus is because the music i really did not like there was maybe two songs that i thought were of any value uh, and none of them really had anything to do with the scenes that they were in oh, that so was, that we was can the hard but, part. But, but but that's but that's been the truth of post mckinley glee yes fact. and no some i mean some episodes have done better i remember like the 90s uh soul jam episode those those songs seemed much more kind of in tune with what was going on last week, the the songs were much more in tune with the moment. Yeah, uh, this one was just you know I, we opened up like with "I Melt with You." Back, yeah, I feel like if you listen back to last week's episode, you will say that the music wasn't that in tune <laughs> to well, see it, what was going on. I mean, as far as um, revisionist, as far as collection goes for this week, if you had just listened to these songs out of context or you know separated from the show, you you'd think, oh, they did another '80s episode, hmm. and yet they kind of tried to loosely tie that thread to the the scenes at hand uh yeah i mean we can just start with uh with, i mean i liked all the, the songs just maybe not all the performances okay i think well the other thing too is i now that we're not seeing um we're not seeing them perform as a glee club together we're not seeing them perform as uh, students of a performing arts school together, but yet they're doing these group numbers together. It kind of has lost its anchor and in purpose. And you, you're more. We're, I'm more distracted by the fact that they're just, you know, singing to a bunch of random dogs. And yeah, they're really having to reach to justify a performance. The performance, let yeah. and the and there because there's no theme for the week. There's no like, hey, this week we're gonna do Beatles songs. Yeah, uh, where there's no Mr. Schuster to give things kind of a frame. Uh, the music does. The, 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 we have had issues yeah. since moving full time to New York. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I feel like it's lost the performance element of the song. Yeah, like we we used to. You know, we were we were we were drawn to the song for the performance element, and now it's just kind of like musical interlude, dancing with dogs. <laughs> what well, is true? I mean, it's almost become a punchline in the last you know since we moved to New York full time. It's almost become a punchline where two characters will be having a conversation. One of them will say, "Do you want to sing about that?" 
or don't say which thing don't don't tell me right now i think we should sing about it yeah and it, it or in the case of uh, uh the the benefit for the dogs where the first thing kurt says was can i sing i need to sing it's been so long so it has become a bit uh, absurd trying to find ways to shoehorn in the songs yeah it's like oh the dogs are upset how do we calm them? Well, <laughs> John Mayer have always said. Yeah, you should always have your guitar on you most of the time. 80% of the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, we, we, started with, uh, we started with Leah Michelle Rachel Berry, uh, who is getting some heat on the internet for her behavior and is going to try to clean up her behavior by doing a stunt, really. By mm-hmm. trying to help the the dogs of New York. Apparently, New York has lots of stray dogs, she told us, in a really nice piece of exposition. Uh, I did not know that. But, uh, so she's going to end up putting this event together. They went to visit the dogs, and they performed this scene of I Melt With You. I think the big thing to come out of this episode, though, was some pretty old-school Rachel Berry uh, and Santana as a PR agent. Uh, it seemed like a new direction for santana let's say let's use the word direction uh ed what did you think of santana and rachel in this episode what's so what's so funny about this is like before it was even suggested which i'm sure other people have the same conclusion was like why isn't santana just doing this for real (laughs) like like in real life (laughs) she's obviously good at it and then 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 of course it was suggested so there you go we were picking i was put picking up what he was putting down I I like the like. Considering Rachel Berry will never be truly punished, I'm glad that so, she's at least preventatively taking the steps to battle whatever forces that wouldn't really come her way, <laughs> like whatever negative forces would inevitably not really attack her. <laughs> yeah, so, she is having. She's really having to at least put in some degree of effort. Or Though, of she, course, she gets out of it scot free. Right, or she so, I mean, could I mean, just be a when, good when person. It all works out, <laughs> What, what did you say? Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was saying, or she could just be a good person. No, 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 no. no. Don't, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy. Great, <laughs> um, At least, at least when things just happen, like she rolls the d twenties and things just start going well for her, like <laughs> we could be like, well, she did this in this episode, so there's there's some justification in the universe. But <laughs> it's so, it. I mean, oh, the whole thing. It's just. The fact that, okay, so, so yes, Santana is good is at manipulating people's impressions of things. Why has she never done this before? I don't know, because she's self-centered and wants all the glory of herself. Why should, why would she possibly spend time to make other people look good? Yeah, she, she'll truly be, like, were they to pursue this? She would yeah. truly be the world's worst PR agent. Because, because the other thing, too, is... When they finally, you know, when it finally looks like, oh, my God, actually, Rachel did something that was kind of selfless and actually good for other people and not just her own image. She says, well, you know, it was my PR agent and I'm I'm her PA, PR agent. Nobody does that. Yeah, that's never the happened. PR agent's number one job <laughs> is to make you look good. Her number two job is to be invisible. Yeah, it's no one has ever sh- given credit to their PR no, agent for coming up with an stylist. idea. You give credit to your stylist. You give credit to your hair and makeup. You give credit to everybody else, but you don't say, "Oh, I have a you know a force behind me to make me look good." Yeah. Even though we all know it. Yeah, we all know that. Yeah, they their job is to get paid to be invisible and make those yeah. moves. Yeah, exactly. And then the whole thing about you know 
Rachel, it's like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of this, you know, every episode. Oh, I'm a horrible monster. Oh, I'm going to do something good so people will love me again, even though it's not really, you know, sincere. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to accidentally fall into being somewhat human again. Yeah. She's she's putting in very little effort. <laughs> dun, dun, the, dun. the Rachel of the last couple episodes has been making very little effort to succeed and succeeding extremely. Yeah. Whereas, like, what I adored about Rachel or Rachel, what Rachel, what I adored well, about Rachel that, early on was she tried work to work hard. hard. That was that's all she did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, she was I, her cause. She even said it back then. She yeah. was her cause. But she's not the underdog anymore. She's a success story. So now she should just. <laughs> be a decent human well that that doesn't make very good television no <laughs> well, is, there, is there any chance that this well see the answer is n- the answer is no yeah but is there any <laughs> chance that this will blow up in her face and we'll we'll find all of this like justified for her but no. she'll get she'll get um, there'll, there'll be an instance where once again she's told what you did was really wrong and we want to punish you but you're so good so we can't well next ep- well, because know. it's going to benefit us if we don't so we won't <laughs> I mean that's the only reason it's benefiting the producers to keep her performing so that's the only reason they're not if they didn't have any interest in it never would happen so can we find any upside to this particular plot line I mean I I can't say I I didn't in, or I can't say I didn't enjoy watching it. It seemed entertaining at times. Uh, unfortunately, that's all I can really give it. But it was kind of fun. I don't know. I'm trying to look on the bright side, at least a little. I have always wanted a tripod dog myself. Okay, there you go. Tripod dog. Tripod Boom. dog. Tripod I mean, dog. I, tripod I, dog I like, for the wind. I like Santana <laughs> and and Rachel working together. You know, and the fact they that will always be better. Yes, that's true. And in the fact that Santana didn't falter from her actual, um, her her pursuit of selfless, selflessness, she didn't she didn't falter in that. And I kind of like her blonder hair. Though she, oh, I hate yeah, I was the like, I was like, when you get so blonde, I like the blonder and, hair, but I just, oh my god, when did she get so skinny? Oh, she's been she's been no, crazy skinny for no, a while. No, this is really Oof. her crazy skinny. Yeah, I mean, st- stunning, but like, oh my god, her legs are just so, so skinny. <laughs> well, let's uh, check in Too on skinny. the other dog-related plot line in this episode, uh, where Mercedes and Sam decided that they, well, Sam decided that they would adopt a dog, uh, and did not really tell her about it. Uh, after that, Cordover Street and Kevin McHale performed Werewolves of London, and here's a clip of that. This is Werewolves of London on the Gleeful Podcast. Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain He was looking for a place called Lee Ho Fucks For to get a big dish of beef chow mein Ow, werewolves of London Ow, werewolves of London Little old lady got mutilated late 
that was Werewolves of London, and I have a question for you two. Are Mercedes and Sam living together? Or living together? Or just <laughs> living similar? I have no idea what their arrangement is. I'm so confused. Well, they're what, what, dating. What they're committed. They are... As far as I know, he's still living downstairs. Oh, he's living downstairs. Because she but said, in the same house. because she does say, you didn't let that thing into my room and near my stuff. Ah, okay. So, all right. No, they're they're still together, and you know, he even throws out casually, "I want to marry you. I'm waiting <laughs> for that." But okay, to the song, true story. I have been to Lee Ho Fuchs in London. Wow. For Chinese food, did not have the beef chow mein. I bet they go through buckets of it. They didn't even know about the song. <laughs> yeah, anyhow. Wow. All right. Uh, so what did we think about this one? Ed, what did you think about McConaughey the dog? Um, I thought... I, it, 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 this is an issue of where I don't actually think Sam and Mercedes have chemistry at all. But it, it like... At the same time, like... It just it, it, They did feel right... At some moments, like, I feel like this is the most right that he felt. And maybe because they were not, like, arguing about if the relationship should exist for this reason or that reason. Or, like, or like how far they want to go in the relationship. But instead, uh, the discussion was, like, what are we really going to do about this, like, relationship, like, right now with this specific issue? Yeah, it's so, a conversation of the way relationship as it is, as opposed to is it or isn't it. Yeah, and it also mm-hmm. feels like it felt very <laughs> realistic. <laughs> you know, it's like one person does something, the other person is like, are you kidding me? Exactly. And, you know, Mercedes being the, the rare voice of reason in the show was just like, you're not thinking this through. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, did you have anything else, Ed? Oh, no. I thought, like, yeah, that's it. That's, that's, yeah. I, that's my take home. I liked it. It's okay. I mean, do do we do I want to see this relationship go on for too much longer? I don't know, but I don't. I feel like there's a bit of a shelf life that's connected to like. I think they brought in Mercedes because there wasn't enough females, but then then they're like, oh, we're moving to California next year, and and uh, supposedly there's a time jump. So I don't know. I don't know. Like I feel like I feel like the requirement for Mercedes is like very low like the only reason she's here is because of is because she just got so popular with dancing with the stars and they're like we need this other female and they're like well mercedes is available and storyline wise <laughs> she makes sense and she isn't shooting movies so she's so. kind of their connection to the west coast oh that's interesting uh <laughs> yeah uh, you know it's funny like how it's it's one thing to watch an episode and it's another thing to discuss it for an hour and uh, this is not an episode that where there's a lot to discuss. Like, while things happened, not a lot happened. And nothing really changed. Like, nobody's relationships really evolved in any way. Um, so, it, you know, it was a filler episode, kind of in the truest sense of the word. There's not a lot to say on this particular one. Um, in the case of Mercedes and, and Sam, uh, it was interesting to see Sam be a little smarter. To be, He wasn't quite... Um, as stupid as he's been recently, I have to admit I kind of missed stupid Sam. Like I found him to be a little more charming when he was uh, more self-aware 
as opposed to being kind of more savvy as he was in this one. Um, I, I think the only thing to say about McConaughey is, is, as Jennifer pointed out in the episode, he's a better actor than some of the other people we've had on this show. <laughs> he had some really great moments. <laughs> he was so adorable. When they're talking about him and he puts his head down and he looks up with those eyes. It was so cute. But, like, how did this episode end with them not having the dog? Oh, this my God. This episode ended with them giving the dog away. When has that ever happened in a TV show? It always ends up with them keeping the dog. Yeah, I mean, like, well, like I said, there was some things that just felt very real. It felt very, you know, natural. And, you know, their whole discussion, you know, and it's like, okay, Sam's not always going to be perfect. Yes, sometimes he's going to want to, like, space out with his friend and play video games and, and be oblivious to anybody else's needs. But <laughs> he's not totally irresponsible, and he's not totally without care and concern. So, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it seemed like the, the right thing to do. And, and she and Mercedes kind of came off as a harpy in this episode. She kind of was just yelling at him, and I, I don't know. It, it would have been interesting to see her kind of... It would have been more interesting to see him like actually making progress with the dog and then the dog's working, but she still doesn't want the dog. I mean, there yeah. was, it, it was just kind of like the dog was always making a mess and was he always sorted a the, the recycling and, at the end of the episode. That was amazing. <laughs> that dog did more in one episode than our cat does had for the last 10 years. <laughs> I don't know. It, did, it was weird. So it all came down uh, at the end where Sam said that he uh, he wanted to keep the dog because he was worried about getting lonely. While she was on tour. Um, that felt weird. Well, I mean, maybe he should Blog. start booking some modeling gigs. Yeah, and, right. you know, occupying his time and, oh, earning money. Earning, or, yeah, wasn't he well, going to go to France? He supposedly is earning money, isn't he? He, he is, yeah, supposedly. But wasn't he supposed to tour the world with those underwear? So he's not doing that anymore? That'd be interesting I to find out. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I, I suppose. I mean, I suppose like the money that he makes on a gig might last him longer than other people. But <laughs> <sighs> I'm sorry, I slipped into that you know real world issue. Hey, you know, thing. I, well, I mean, shouldn't do yeah. that. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure for the right, if you get a good spread, you can get like a good twenty thousand dollar modeling contract and that's decent for a couple months i mean what do you want from this world <laughs> yeah actually um so what 12 years ago i had a friend and he did commercials and he said all he needed to do was book three national commercials not even not even reoccurring but just three national independent commercials and you know you usually get like fifty thousand each hundred fifty thousand a year <laughs> that's than a lot of people yeah. make. So, yeah. So, I mean, in what that took up was one day of interviews or auditions, one day of uh, rehearsals, and one day of shooting. So, in nine days, he could make $150,000, which is insane. The, the, it's good work if you can get it. Seriously. <laughs> uh, well, so then let's, I guess, move on to the 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 kicker. In this particular episode, the Kurt storyline, Kurt became the lead in Peter Pan at the Home for Retired Actor Things. Broadway people. <laughs> uh, he performed two songs in this episode. Uh, let's take a listen to Memory. This is Chris Colfer with a little, uh, little, uh, what, pinch hit from June Squibb uh, here on the Gleevo Podcast. Leaves collect at my feet. 
begins to moan Memory All alone in the moonlight I can dream of the old days Life was beautiful then I remember the time I knew what happiness was Let the That was memory from the musical Cats, uh, and Chris in this episode, who wrote an episode about himself, which I thought was kind of adorable. Uh, he, in this episode, uh, Kurt gets cast as the lead in Peter Pan. If I had to give this episode anything, as much as many problems I have with the other two plot lines, I think if you'd fixed those other two plot lines, this plot line still worked. It yeah. Was, I think this is the this was the reason this episode got to be. This episode, despite being incredibly overt and lacking in some polish, um, it, this storyline really worked, and this is why I think everything hung together. It was very, it was no. very sweet. Now, did this storyline work better or worse than the storyline of the, the lesbian gay couple that Clayne met? Uh, I don't even know when that was. Well, that wasn't even a, a storyline. That was one conversation with Meredith Well, Baxter. I know. I guess you're right. But it's just like every... I like. I felt like there were, he was trying too hard to create like this, like, what? I don't know. I feel like the moment <laughs> was good, but contrived. I well, guess I mean... Oh, totally contrived. I mean, that was that was the issue. Is that even though this plotline was interesting, it was just filler. In you know, until we get to next week. Um, but it, I, I I enjoyed it. I thought you know, Ruth it wasn't Squ- entirely June filler because really we get to find out what happened to Danny and Elliot, and that alone <laughs> made the storyline worth it. Yeah, where the did they go? Elliot. Uh, he went to a yoga retreat, which I assume was a, a gay boy yoga retreat, okay. which would be very exciting. And then Danny is in rollerball. And do all lesbians rollerball? Is that like a uh, thing? No, I feel like roller derby. Derby. Roller derby. Oh, oh, roller, oh and, I meant roller derby. And all roller derby uh, women are not lesbians, no. But all lesbians are in roller but derby. But they, <laughs> actually, that, yeah. That, that was my question. I'm not saying you have to be a lesbian exclusively. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, Place said your I don't know where the Venn diagram falls on that. At <laughs> yeah, if anybody has a Venn diagram of how that, um, I don't, I don't know. It's cute. I don't know, because I know, I know people, I've met people who do roller derby mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. they're not lesbians. Mm-hmm. Well, you, well, and all I've I met know, lesbians like, that don't I think do roller. Wasn't the lesbian in <laughs> Buttheads? She roller derbied. I'm like, can you stop, stop this. This is not a stereotype <laughs> that I appreciate. Hard, I think someone doesn't, someone doesn't appreciate it. Maybe yeah. someone somewhere. Uh, but yes, I, I found this all to be pretty adorable. Um, and, and you know, the, it was it was a nice plot line. It was it was a good plot line for Kurt. Yeah. Uh, it's been a little while since we had a well, solid a good a, a good plotline for Kurt in the episode he wrote. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. But in what Go did he figure. what did he classify himself as a reverse tenor? An alt an, an alternative tenor? Uh, no, I thought he said I thought he said counter tenor. Counter tenor. There yeah, it like, is. Counter tenor. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, I thought yes, I thought it was very sweet and very fun, and you know, even at the end. 
when he's about to go on stage, he's still reaching out to his friends and telling them that, you know, he supports them, even though they're not supporting him. And it's like, okay, why? Well, too perfect. Because he's Saint Kurt. He continues to be Saint Kurt. But I think somebody's got to be the example of decency and, uh, you know, good friendship. Hey, at least in the past, at least in the past when he was Saint Kurt and people were yelling at other people around Kurt, it, we, we we complained that it wasn't deserved, but what we are seeing, yeah, it, he deserves Saint Kurtliness. <laughs> exactly, it is it is earned, and it was very sweet, and it was you know one of those. It's like you know we kind of saw where it was going, but it was still it was very sweet. It was very moving, every aspect of it. You know these these people who had performed all their lives, and you know they they still have the need to perform and if only just to be doing something and not laying in bed every day and that was kind of nice and in in them getting the moment to feel like they're not forgotten and they are worthwhile and still serve a purpose (laughs) (laughs) like the puppies i mean when i say that this episode lost was missing polish uh was not was kind of immature one of the big examples is that we had tim conway and billy d williams and i think they got two lines between them oh my god uh, billy barely. d williams barely shuffled in the background and I, and I don't think tim conway's was ever on stage and for younger people who might not know them obviously you know billy d williams because he was lando calrissian and if you don't know that he was lando calrissian you can Never listen to my podcast again. Uh, no. Uh, but he's Billy D. Williams. And then Tiff Conway that was on the Carol Burnett show. And he was Dorf. And he's he was a huge comedian. Um, they also seem to kind of have parts. Like Tim Conway, I got the sense... It, there was this scene where he was sitting too close to Kurt and he kept smiling kind of stupid. And I got the sense that he was supposed to be this kind of gay old man who was attracted to Kurt or kind of fascinated with Kurt. But then that didn't play off at all. Like they didn't do anything with it. Oh, see, I didn't take it as that. I took it as more like he just hadn't been around a young person in a while. <laughs> and it was more like, more like a novelty. Like, oh, like you, you exist. Like... <laughs> you you know you're not like to me it was more like oh wait a second here's a person who's not here out of obligation um visiting an elderly parent Hmm. who's not here um against their will not here with one foot out the door actually spending time and engaging in conversation with them and that's kind of the way i took it more (laughs) like i don't even know what to make of this whole situation well, I that's that's sweet. that's a much sweeter interpretation. Well, I guess it's an equal interpretation. Yeah. But yeah, to me, it felt like a real lost lost opportunity to have oh. Tim Conway and not do anything with him, especially when they had Carol Burnett before she died, which is incredible. She She's didn't not die. Dead. Okay, I always think Carol Burnett. I know. I Stop Carol doing Burnett that. Too. I love her so much. Uh, so yeah, it's Tim Conway and then Billy D. Williams, uh, which I told Jennifer my Billy D. Williams story is I went to lunch in a restaurant and I was having lunch with this dude and Billy D. Williams walked by and the guy goes, Billy D., come here, come here. And uh, Billy D. Williams walked over and I shook his hand and he said hello and it was super cool because he's Lando Calrissian and if you don't know who that is, you should listen to another person. And that's why I married Josh. Uh, and then he he the next day he left for New York to star in Mambo Kings the musical which I believe didn't go because he broke his leg or something. 
moment with Issa Morales. Mm. Long story longer. Uh, yes, Billy D. Williams. It was weird that they had those two Amazing notable stars. actors. And yeah. then like other characters, they had lots of other people in the scenes, like the guy who was asleep. Oh. The, they could have given those lines to Billy D. Williams. Like they didn't need that guy in there. So in that aspect, it was kind of strange. Um, on the other hand, you know, the headshots was a really sweet image that they yeah. kept going back to. And June Squibb, who was nominated for an Oscar for Nebraska, uh, she seems to have like been hatched three months ago and just now become everywhere. Now you see June Squibb everywhere. Um, Ed, what did you think of everything at the uh, old folks home? Um, it was it was fun. I liked it. The him playing Peter was a good time. Um, I like the idea. I, I forget frequently that Kurt Kurt's mom did die, and it was like, oh yes, that is yeah, a, that a is a point. legitimate callback. Very good job, writers. And <laughs> they uh, like yeah. So I thought it was like legit. Well, how how he got he went there, lied about spilling toxic waste, and <laughs> made things happen. Yeah, that's something. We got to meet June Squibb's daughter, who is uh, played by Melinda McGraw, who is somebody you probably recognize but don't know where from. Uh, she was Dana Scully's sister in X-Files. She was Scott Bakula's girlfriend in Men of a Certain Age. Um, she, I think she did some episodes of Briscoe County Jr. Uh, she's been everything. Like She's, yeah. a Cana- she's Canadian. Ah. So like any show that shot in Canada in the 90s, she was on it at yeah. some point or another. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was, you know, I mean, it was very, it was still very moving, but I felt it was very textbook, the whole. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and, and almost too easily resolved. But I did think it was funny when Kurt went to visit her at her office. She's like, uh, you know, my mom doesn't have money, you know. What, yeah. it, what it, she called out like another I don't remember. older actress yes. with our younger paramour trying to get money out of her. Yes. She's like, uh, I don't know what you think, but she doesn't have any money. <laughs> and when she called security and said, uh, uh, you'll only yeah, need one you'll guy. You'll only need one. <laughs> it was, I mean, it still for some reason worked. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it just goes back to, you know, the, the fact that it was an immature episode. Like there, this wasn't. This was a pretty textbook plot. Exactly yeah. like you said. It was totally textbook. We've all seen this plot line dozens yeah. of times before. And they didn't even it, it didn't even have the grace to kind of add a layer to it. Because Glee doesn't mind going to the well. It's not yeah. wrong to go to the well, but you want to kinda add something to it to spice yeah, it up. Put your own spin on it. Really. Um but it still worked. You're right. Mm-hmm. Did anybody else catch the true detective reference? Or was that just <gasps> uh Yeah, what? Uh, it, it was it was in the Sam and Mercedes uh, conversation where Mercedes oh, with the yes. dog. She's like, I'm going to go full on Carcosa on you. Yes. And I'm like, wow, that was a totally random poll. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, I do remember that. Was that was kind of hilarious. But yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was yeah. it was it was it was sweet. I mean, there's not a lot to it. Again, the whole thing of, you know, you know, Kurt needing an outlet. Kurt needing to feel needed, needing to feel involved. 
and it worked <laughs> and it worked out and it was lovely <laughs> they did have a uh, uh that lovely moment really sweet moment where kurt uh went to june squib and said you know i don't really have fa- or you don't really have family here and my friends are really busy so maybe we can be each other's family and she was like that's sweet and i said that's lovely we will never see you again <laughs> Yeah, but it was kind of funny that she she said, well, if I'm doing you a favor, then okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish, and I was surprised that they actually didn't do, um, like, a song from Peter Pan. I mean, because they have been, yeah. they've been kind of d- dredging up, not dredging up, but they've been, they've been... More musical theater. Yeah, they've been doing more musical theater. Yeah. I was expecting them to do something, I mean, other than Cats, which was kind of funny because the... The dog pound guy said, yeah, I like cats. <laughs> you know. it, it was, and that, that I found really strange, like where Kurt's like, all right, so we're going to update this show. I didn't feel that was necessary. It just seemed like enough to just do Peter Pan. Yeah. I didn't think it needed that extra layer of, and we're going to update the songs for yeah. some reason. It just didn't really fly. And then we got yeah. that awkward... I, I found Lucky Star to be really awkward, but that might just be me. <laughs> yeah, well, and it, it's like it, it kind of made you, you really had to kind of kind of search for the... Yeah, for the meaning. The connection, but... Oh, actually, Alexandra said the same thing. She wished that um, they had done a song from Peter Pan. Oh, and Yeah. Well, let's go ahead. Uh, uh, let's take a look, quick listen to, to Lucky Star. Uh, here is Lucky Star, performed by Chris Colfer and June Squibb on the Gleeful Podcast. What did you think of Lucky Star? Um, I didn't realize how awesomely uh, retro that bass sounded until this listen. <laughs> oh, it was, it was like, slapping oh. all over the place, right? Um, uh, it was it was good. It was a good number. I don't know if it really really gave it. Like, I really thought the episode was going to end there it, because it, then then they went to the then they went to the diner after that, right? Yeah, and that was the next thing to talk about. That yeah, I, was like, I, was I really thought Lucky Star something. was the end of the episode, and it's like, hold on, no, no, not quite, no. because it, it <laughs> felt like a closing number. It felt like enough things were resolved. Yeah, and and then the show, and then this, then the show just kept going on. It was good though. It was fine. <laughs> well, was they had to go good. to the yep. diner to put the puppies and the seniors up for adoption. <laughs> and, then, and the four, four, three, two, one. Since it's like it's, it reminds me of the good old days of them. Is that the name of that band? <laughs> What? Is that the name of their band? Four three two one or what is it? Who's oh it's one three hill? One three hill? Oh one three hill. Yeah, one three like, hill. Oh, yeah. Reminds me of the good old days of one three hill. The, I couldn't. That last scene is really the last thing to talk about. That where they go back to the diner and they 
uh, get all the dogs adopted, which apparently the way you get dogs adopted is you just put them in the arms of random people that are passing by, and they immediately go, well, this is the dog I will take home and love it until it dies. <laughs> uh, it was That whole scene was really awkward for me. And the choreography in the Take Me Home Tonight number, and then at the beginning in the Melt With You number, was just kind of them walking in circles. <laughs> It was the choreography of, of pacing, effectively, is what we're doing. I, I found it really bland. And uh, the Take Me Home Tonight just did not work for me at all. The whole sequence was just strange. Uh, Jennifer, thoughts on Take Me Home Tonight? You know, I thought it was okay. It kind of... It was sort of like uh, an encore of this performance. And it was fun. I thought it was cute. But... Again, it was more this kind of, you know, random performance thing that didn't really have any focus. I mean, that's the other thing, too. It's like, I feel like there's not been, I mean, okay, he he did memories and, you know, you're supposed to focus on him and, yeah, like you read into the meaning of that song, that's very applicable to him and Mm -hmm. to all the people he's performing it for. I get that, but it was like, I, I just don't feel like I've had, and that's the one where I had to get up and do something, and I kind of walked away, and you're like, oh, do you want me to rewind? I'm like, no, I could, I heard it. <laughs> There's not, yeah, I got this. I, I heard it, you know. There hasn't been that one that's just like, glued me to my chair. All of these, you know, fun little, like, even at least when Elliot was there, you mm. know, I was at least, you know, captivated by his performance on stage but now i'm just kind of like "Mm." you're 100 right like like me and josh were um doing an amazing duet of keep holding on earlier because we're gonna make it through (laughs) pre-show i hope i can see that and um the and what what was so good about that moment was it was like i don't remember the exact sequence of events in the episode but it was like rachel finn quinn love triangle and the and the and like they keep holding on personified that yeah. and it was like and just the way like just like the slightest actions felt so meaningful but now now they're like throwing their arms around and walking in circles and it all means nothing yeah. All means nothing <laughs> yeah i mean and the song the song doesn't mean anything i don't know it's just like uh, it's like it's like take it's, it's a most surface level song choice they can make yeah exactly i mean it's all, so every, literal every literally take me home yeah exactly take me i've got take cute- me home tonight Puppy dog I'm eyes. I have three. I have three legs. You should all take right, me home All right, all right, all right. Let's go to McConaughey. Uh, let's take a listen to some voicemails. We got a couple. If I can remember where they are, uh, where did are those the, flowers oh, in a hamster ball? What is that image? I'm sorry, what? It's an image on your screen. It looks like flowers in a hamster ball. I don't know what you're looking at. I'm gonna call my mom. You have okay. lots of. Flowers and hamster balls. Here we go. (laughs) They're getting confused by. (laughs) Hi, it's Haley. Just watched the show. I give this episode a B because it had a great Kurt storyline. So glad that he actually has a storyline so he's actually doing something instead of just being at Niata. And I'm so happy that Chris Koster, who is amazing and perfect in every way, wrote this. He is a great actor, writer, and person all around. The Rachel storyline was really okay. 
which <laughs> is bad for me to say because I'm a Rachel lover. I love her. She's my idol. Her storyline, it was flawed because of what she did. It was really wrong. But she learned something from it, I, which is cool. And I'm really happy that Santana is moving towards a career, I guess. But it's all last. We don't know. <laughs> and it like the uh, Sam and Mercedes storyline because it wasn't that moving. I don't like Mercedes, so yeah. I hope that the dogs in this episode actually got like adopted or that they are show dogs or they have nice homes because that'd be awesome. I wish they would have put something in for the animals who actually are in the shelters in New York and everywhere around the world because animals really are amazing. Okay, thanks for letting me talk. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Kaylee. And here is listener Sonia. Hey, it's Sonia. Hope I'm not bothering you. I guess this is my new thing. I think this was a good episode. Something felt classic about it. I love that Chris brought back a bit of season two slash three Sam, responsible and not stupid. He even threw in reasons for Elliot and Danny's absence. It was weird to have continuity on Glee. (laughs) And what Chris set up for Santana's character is great. Perfect fit for her. Kurt got a solo and a real plot, finally standing up for himself. It only took his actor writing the episode... And he looks so cute in his costume. <laughs> Training a dog is as easy as getting a lead role on Broadway, apparently. And, unrelated to the episode, the thing with Blaine's easy success is, unlike Rachel and Mercedes, it isn't for things he truly cares about or half the time was even trying to get. Tony Roll, Nyada, Valedictorian, June's Patronage. It's like me getting a phone call out of nowhere saying I got a prize for being the most loving dog owner in a competition I didn't even know existed. Yay? Does he even have any goals? He's just sort of coasting. (laughs) Why should I be happy when he gets stuff or even care? He barely cares. Well, that's my opinion. That's all. Um, Okay. Bye. Kiss, kiss. Mwah. Thank you very much, Sonia. I mean, it, we have gotten a lot of Kurt in this season. I mean, he had the gay bashing story. He had the plot line uh, over uh, Blaine's, um, you know, Blaine, he and Blaine's relationship a couple weeks ago. Right. Uh, yeah, so we have gotten a lot of Kurt. Uh, mm-hmm. This was certainly the, well, no, that's not, because I was going to say this is kind of the most like where it's all about Kurt. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like we've gotten a lot of Kurt since we made it to New York. I think this is the first victory we've seen for Kurt. You know, mm-hmm. I think this is the first kind of where he's lead. I mean, yes, he, you know, got members together for the band. Yes, he, you know, had uh, his opening with uh, <laughs> Pamela Lansbury. <laughs> and then um, had, you know, different different things. But it's more kind of been, you know, like the couple of weeks ago, when Blaine was feeling insecure and then lashing out at Kurt, it was more Blaine's story, not Kurt's. And he's been, he really has been a supporting character to a lot of other people's storylines, especially Rachel. So, so yeah, so like this is, this is like a victory, 
you know, for Kurt for the first time. All right, I'll go with that. That makes sense. I'll buy that. Uh, well, that's about all I have. Uh, Ed, you wanted to read some tweets. Yes, I did. Uh, I want to thank the people who used hashtag Clay Talk last week. Um, Aww. Yeah, there was we got a we got a couple. I was just gonna read them, read a couple out. Uh, Fancy Machine, uh, Better Late Than Ever. I made it, and uh, Amy that at that Amy said I always listen again. Thanks for another great episode. Hashtag Clay Talk, and. Uh, at J.M. Uh, J. McCulvey. Oh, okay. Let's do this, Ed. J. McCulvey. That's how you say it. Hashtag Clean Talk. Great episode, guys. Love hearing all your thoughts. So thank you all for reading it, for uh, using the hashtag. And this week's hashtag is going to be hashtag uh, Glee Grades is going to be the hashtag. And I and if oh, you... Okay. I will, I, will, I will probably send out a thank you because that's what I did to most of the people who did it out last year. Oh, last year, last week. Last week, I said thank you to most of you for listening, and and then I'll read a couple of them out next week. Yes, and and well, if you're gonna tweet Glee grades, you should also tweet uh, what your grade was for the episode, right? For the yeah, yeah, might as well, yeah. Yeah, tell us Uh, your grade for the episode. Yeah, yeah, let's let's get a consensus on (laughs) how decent this filler episode or not decent this filler episode. Honestly, (laughs) I mean, listening to the voicemails and the fact that the three of us all came in at a solid B. I mean. I, I think this is like the least divisive episode we've had. Oh, definitely. The the this is a total like this is a classic B episode. Like yeah. it wasn't great, it wasn't bad. It would just had a, some really sweet moments and and you know, it, it it just it was just a solid B episode. What's interesting is that I think this is the shortest of any podcast we've done yes. because we have probably like we're at fifty three minutes right now. And, we started ten minutes late, and we started ten minutes. Well, the podcast oh, is oh, ten. We're, we're, we've been recording for fifty three minutes, and uh, we're vamping right now. Like I could have cut off the podcast five minutes ago, so it is kind of interesting. There just wasn't a lot to talk about in this particular one. Yeah, but they, 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 it wasn't it was, a bad. It was episode. All just it was all just so there. Yeah. There's no hidden layer. You just say it like it is because it was what it was yeah it wasn't exactly. a lot essentially essentially we just spent the last hour re-narrating what was already yeah. on screen exactly so. <laughs> we took only four extra minutes to do it <laughs> yes <laughs> well for the gleeful pod oh if you'd like to weigh in on anything we said tonight you can email us at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com and you can find us on twitter at gleeful podcast i'm at josh Brunell. she's at jenny b creative he's at edward giordano or go to facebook and search for Gleeful Podcast where you can talk to the other fans. We'll be back next week to discuss the finale entitled The Untitled Rachel Berry Project. Hopefully it's better than The Purple Piano Project. Uh, But how great would it be if she had a TV show called The Purple Piano Project? Uh, Not great at all. How great. (laughs) As great as it would be if she actually had her own TV show, so come on. Seriously. Vote for Gleeful Podcast with Josh, Jen, and Ed. I'm Josh. I'm Jen. Uh, vote for Gina Irene on <laughs> Idol. Um, I am not disappointed with John winning. Well, I, I'm I'm not. Netta deserved to win, even though I was reading for Sabrina. But John deserved it as well. You can't, ar- you can't argue with the results, people. <laughs> And and uh, vote for Christina Grimey because she deserves to win the voice because duh. Okay, have a nice night. Good night, everyone. I get frightened in all this darkness. I get nightmares. I hate.
real quick, I want to say thank you to Rosie who left us a voicemail, but it was for uh, last week's episode. So uh, I usually don't play voicemails that are about previous episodes, but I just wanted to say thank you for sending that. Just like a runny-